Episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. Well, welcome. welcome. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And I am Sean. Hey, Sean. How you doing over there? Not too bad, man. All right. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited about our guest today. Greg, Me too. Craig Muni. Yeah. Me too, man. You know, about it, guys, I always like to say thanks for all the uh, social media love. We have been getting a ton of shares for our past episodes and a bunch of Facebook likes, people following us on Twitter. And that is very, very appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can always find our social media at our website, guystownstories.com. So go check that out. We've got a lot of cool stuff over there. What else? One more thing you guys could go check out. Uh, head to uh, guystownstories.com and uh, check out our merch. we got shirts. That's it. We have, we have yeah, shirts. Yeah, we got shirts. Oh, and we, <laughs> but we got a lot of shirts. we got a few, a few shirts, different colors uh, for men, women. For babies, we got that baby shirt out there yet? Baby shirt's there. No one's buying them yet, though. So, okay. you know, send it as a gift, okay? Yeah. You don't have to buy one for your own baby. Yeah. But. Get a shirt, put it on your baby. Halloween's around the corner. There you go. Oh, that'd be great. Also, guys, while you're over at guystownstories.com, uh, if you're looking to buy anything on Amazon, you, you go to guystownstories.com first. You click on the Amazon uh, link, and that'll take you right to Amazon. Uh, no tricks here. Uh, all it does is it lets Amazon know that you went to our website first, and then you bu- you buy your products as you would, and we get a little kickback. Speaking of Amazon, we do have our Amazon Prime Music offer. So for those of you who are not too familiar with that, that is the only online streaming service with free two-day shipping, and it's unlimited on-demand music. They got curated playlists. They got personalized stations. It's all ad-free. It's, Unlimited skips. You skip as many times as you like. You I don't know, like it. You know, my wife, she's she's getting involved in these fitness classes, and she had to look for some playlists. And all of a sudden, she's on Amazon Prime Music, and she has all the latest music saved right to her phone, and she has these playlists, and she can play them with Wi-Fi, without Wi-Fi. She loves it. So if you're interested in checking that out, it is a free offer. You got it free for 30 days. Head to our website, guystellingstories.com, and check that out first. And thank you. All right, boys, you ready for this? Try at home. Here we go. What do you guys got this week for try at home? Uh, you want to go first? Ah, you go first. All right. Mine's ridiculous. <laughs> Yours is always ridiculous. <laughs> All right, for my try at home this week, I have the Fitbit Blaze. You guys Fitbit users? Uh, not personally, no. but I know a guy. I know what I know. Yeah, I know someone too. <laughs> you know, I have a couple of uh, bragging Fit, about this. Fitbit Blaze brothers and sisters out there. I think you know what I'm talking about. I started tracking my steps right around New Year's time, and this device is incredible. It calculates your steps. It actually does your calories, though, too, and your heart rate. And it's GPS enabled. So if you're outside for a run or you're doing some exercise, you get all those stats. It even helps you track your sleep. So I suggest personally getting the Fitbit Blaze, signing up, finding another friend, and kind of be a little competitive with your steps each each day or each week. And uh, it just kind of helps keep fitness on your mind. All right, Bill, what do you got this oh week? Oh my gosh, I have the ostrich pillow. Have you ever have you seen this yet? <laughs> have you yeah. watched? We're looking at a picture of it right now. Oh, really? I'll this post is it, it on our website. Okay. This this is it. It is a pillow that kind of fits onto your head and face so you can be in the dark and you can basically put your head anywhere. So it, it's actually really cool to use if you're traveling, you're on a plane, uh, train, something, because it's very comfortable, it's very dark, and you can't really hear because it's so insulated. Um, but it's also cool. It's got a bunch of holes. You can put your hands up in there too if you want to lean on your desk or whatever. It looks a little goofy when you use it in public, but I haven't 
you know, hasn't kept me from doing that. So, no, I got to say, folks, he looks so absurd wearing his ostrich pillow when he is uh, <laughs> catching some Z's for a power nap that no one dares to disturb him. They think he mm-hmm. some sort of medical device. And That's he, right. He has a real issue. It is also the only reason I now know how to spell ostrich. <laughs> awesome. Well, as always, if you like the sound of my Fitbit Blaze or Bill's ostrich pillow, along with all the other products from throughout this season, head on over to our Guys Telling Stories website. Click on the Try at Home tab and check it out. It's worth just seeing the ostrich pillow. <laughs> the picture alone. All right, let's get to our guest this week. Let's do it. We have Craig Muni, hockey legend, NHL alumni. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. He's our first professional hockey player. Yes. And Bill, you're a huge fan of this. Oh guy. my gosh, yes. He's a he's you you left out three times Stanley Cup winner. I did. <laughs> I buried the lead. This guy has won three Stanley Cups. I've seen mm-hmm. the rings. He played with some of the greatest NHL players. Some would mm-hmm. some would say of all time. Yep. We are uh, we talked to him earlier this summer. Um, he is starting a new business, and he wanted to talk to us about that before it was up and running. So we did talk to him earlier this summer, and we kind of put this episode, uh, we kind of waited until the World Cup of Hockey started, and that's going on right now, and that is fabulous to watch. Yeah, also. And, you know, he also, he's coaching the NWHL Buffalo Buttes. And if you, uh, if you enjoy the episode with him, make sure you check out our friends at 716 Sports Podcast, and they also have an episode uh, with Craig Muni from about a month ago. Yeah, so we met Craig at Warehouse Buffalo Wild Wings, and (laughs) it was a beautiful day. We sat on the outdoor patio, so let's get to our interview with uh, Craig Muni. Craig, welcome to the show. This is the first podcast I've ever done. So what? Excited That's to be crazy. here. Yeah. You know, I always wonder if the people we're talking to, if this is their first time. We should ask that from now on. Well, we'll be gentle. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be. <laughs> so before we get too far into it, Craig, some people like to maybe check you out online, uh, social media, anything you could plug? Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Craig Muni and uh, LinkedIn also. Those are pretty much the only two I'm that I do right now. Yeah, I think you're the first guest to mention LinkedIn. Yeah, but it's a good... <laughs> He's proud of it. It's more of a business side it of is. things, I guess, so... Now, from what I know, too, if someone checks you out, you can you get a little notification that they are looking at you, right? Correct, so, which is a little different than the other ones, too. So if you have someone that's stalking you, you kind, of, <laughs> you kind of get a warning that someone's been checking you out ahead of time. Well, I'm out. Well, well yeah, go check out, Craig. I had, I had to block Bill out, so it's all right. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Uh, well, Craig, we like to take our guests way back on, on this mm-hmm. on this path, this journey. And we've talked to some athletes before, but you're the first athlete who is somebody who's climbed that mountain, so to speak, meaning they're not hoping to get signed by a team. They're not like looking forward to their first professional competition. Well, I like that. You kind of put that gently of another way of saying, well, you're kind of old. <laughs> kind of. Your career's over. <laughs> no, I wanted, I, I, I caught myself right, right in the middle of like, man, I better, I better be careful with this. I wanted to basically say accomplished. You're, you're one of the first athletes who said, yeah, you know, I, I accomplished is I much went, better. Yeah. I went to, I went to a Stanley cup. I, I went to yeah. actually three and you won all three. And I, mean, I that's, won all three. Yeah. Perfect record. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, let's take us back. Like where, where'd you grow up and what was that like? Originally I'm from, uh, Grew up in Toronto, uh, kind of started off on the east side of Toronto in the Scarborough area, ended up downtown, and then out to Mississauga before, uh, I think it was about 17, before I left home to move away from home to go pursue a hockey career playing in the, well, it was the OHA back then, which is now the OHL. 
Okay. Well, now, I bet a lot of people out there are going to be curious. What type of uh, family raises somebody that becomes a professional athlete? You know, what, what were mom and dad like, brothers and sisters? Uh, I've got one younger sister, so unfortunately I didn't have a brother. So my sister was very much a, um, a tomboy. <laughs> so if I needed a goalie, she went and played in that. She played <laughs> played pretty much all the sports I played outside, out in the street that wasn't organized. Just yeah. kind of, you know, as a kid's picking up a hockey or football or baseball out in the street. So she was really, although my sister, she was like a brother to me. Uh, mom and dad uh, were, I guess, normal, good old Canadian folks. Uh, they got divorced when we were younger, which is why we ended up moving downtown Toronto. Lived with my grandmother for a while. And then uh, when my mom got remarried, it was actually to one of my hockey coach, which I was always wonder why I got on the power play there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then we moved out to Mississauga, uh, so I was, I was there until until basically to junior. So yeah. Besides hockey, what other sports were you into? Uh, growing up, I used to play in the summertime baseball uh, during school days. Uh, played for the team team sports. I was playing basketball, volleyball, track and field. So. Uh, I loved it all. Yeah. How old were you when you started skating? Uh, I was probably, well, if I ask my mom, she says I was probably two, but I don't know if you can count Bob skates wearing mm. a pair of winter boots yeah. and walking around on ice as skating. So I'd say it was probably more around that five, six range. And then first time I played organized hockey, I was playing house league at, at age eight. Cool. From, from there. Now, when I was younger, I realized pretty quickly, I think it was around seven or eight, I was like the fastest kid on my block, right? And you never run long distances. It's like who can outrun the guy catching the football or who can run the bases the fastest. So by the time I got to, let's say, middle school and high school, I was still like pretty fast. But then you meet a few kids, you go to like a sectional meet, you go to state meet, something like that, that are real fast. Were, were you particularly good at like one thing that better like, than all the other kids well it's like you said it's it, when you grow up you're in a little bubble and you are the best of the best in that little bubble as you advance and start looking for better competition and as you start getting older uh, you start realizing it's a big world and there are a lot of talented players no matter what your your sport that you're playing um, I like to use an analogy where I'm a firm believer in hard work versus talent um, Growing up as a kid, I was probably, say, in the top five best players on the team, uh, sometimes the captain or assistant captain, but I was never the best player. Mm -hmm. So I really firmly believe the kids who were the best players at that time that were the can't miss, for sure going to make it, never got drafted, never played college, never played junior hockey. So I'm a firm believer that if you work hard and you have some ability, you have a great work ethic as you're a kid and you keep that work ethic and you only make yourself better is there a story behind like i'm gonna work harder than everybody else well i, I think going back to a certain point in time i was i guess i was no different than any other kid that sometimes you just get burnt out or you get tired of the sport and i remember particularly probably when i was like about 13 14 ish for whatever reason it was i don't recall but i wanted to give up hockey and quit hockey i had enough uh so my dad then, um, he didn't, they didn't, nobody argued with me, but he took me to a, a junior A game. The Toronto Marlies were playing at the Maple Leaf Gardens. And we sat right at the glass level, right beside the penalty box. And I had no idea what junior A hockey really was at that age. He said, well, basically this would be, you play your midget hockey, you get drafted into this league. And then from this league, you get drafted into the NHL. Well, as soon as he said that, my 
eyes and ears lit up. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's only a couple years away. I didn't realize I was that close after you're thinking you put all that time and effort into it that it's just a pipe dream. So it kind of rejuvenated myself to dedicate to what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to play. I knew I wanted to play in the NHL. So that's really one story. <laughs> but then as I got older, uh, I'm sitting at another arena, Ted Reeves Arena in Toronto, and I'm watching my sister do her figure skating. And back then, the figure skating, you had to do the figure eights. So it was pretty boring to, to watch. So he said something to me about, I bet you will never make it to the NHL. And I think I was playing already get might have been playing junior or getting close to playing junior and I looked at him like okay that's the an odd thing to say yeah so I asked him well what would make you think that he said I'll bet you girls drugs or alcohol keeps you out of the NHL and so he started (laughs) telling me stories about his days and some good players he played with who should have made it but didn't make it for those reasons but inside he pissed me off so much that I remembered it to the day where where we were where we were sitting and when it happened and i never said anything to him but i kept that inside of me and after my whole 16 year nhl career uh went came and got left and i retired i was talking to my dad one day and i told him that story and i said you know what that was the best thing you could have ever said to me without really probably realizing what you said but again everybody is motivated differently mm-hmm. and a lot of times there's doubters out there or people will say you're too slow or you're not skilled enough. And those, instead of using those as a deterrent, should be a motivator. So your dad took you to a game to show you how close you were and then told you. Then shot me right back down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's, being, being uh, the, your younger self, your younger self definitely would not understand what he's talking about. Exactly. No, I, and you don't appreciate it till later when you think back on it, but you didn't forget it. Oh, but he's so right. And he picked some pretty good things that were going to deter you. I mean, he covered all his bases, yeah. basically. Yeah, and I, I've seen a lot of guys falter because of mm-hmm. those, those exact reasons. Injuries is another big one, but injuries are something that's out of your control. Yeah. So as a kid, you, again, you have to, at a certain point in time, you do have to dedicate yourself to the sport you're playing you end up having to miss parties that your friends are going to you you lose contact with your friends you basically your friends are your teammates uh the people who are surrounding you with what you do all right well let's move it forward a little bit so now you're 17 18 you decide to start maybe pursuing this i guess i'm going to use the term full time so you know take us take us back in that moment what's what's that first step to like your path to becoming a professional athlete um well, you have to go through the, at the time, back in our era, I guess, as a Canadian kid, it was, the co- the college scholarships were not as important as playing junior A, only because during that time period when you're being drafted the NHL, it was mostly the junior players versus a college kid being drafted. Right. So if you wanted to play in the NHL, you had to pick the avenue that gave you the best opportunity, which was to play junior. So... Uh, we went to the, I forgot the hotel, was over by the airport, and they had the OHA draft there. Uh, we got a letter in the mail asking if I were to be drafted, would I attend the teams? Wow, they asked camp. you ahead of time, huh? Yeah, well, especially now they have to because of the scholarships. And yeah. kids now, they do have to choose early between scholarships or the junior uh, junior uh, leagues up in Canada. Mm-hmm. So by the time they're 14, 15, they have to know which avenue they're going to go down just because of NCAA rules. Right. So it's, it's a little bit different now. So, 
So I remember I was drafted in the seventh round to go to Kingston Canadians, which is pretty late in the draft. Uh, and then first round was Rick Wilson, defense, defenseman from Kingston. Second round was Mike Stuthers, defenseman from St. Mike's. Third round was Jim Aldred, who was an underage defenseman from, I forgot, somewhere else. So I went seventh round, and I was the fourth defenseman picked that year. Oh. So I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I've got my work ahead of me. Yeah. So I went to training camp, and again, you're brand new to this, not knowing what's going on. You're fighting the urge to go home because you miss home. You're 17 years old, away from taken away from your family. You're put in a hotel, going through a training camp, the rigors of a training camp, and then uh, found out that basically they only had two returning defensemen, Neil Bellin and Peter Deneen. So out of training camp and exhibition games, we, all four of us made the team. And back then, usually your first year of playing junior A, you sit and you watch and you learn, you don't play a lot. But because there was only two returning defensemen and Peter Deneen was hurt for probably three quarters of that year, they had no choice but to play us 18-year-olds, or sorry, 17-year-olds. Wow, so that's great. So we were, it was baptism by fire, really, which was, was great for, for my career. So you are one of the first people we've talked to that has successfully been drafted. And nowadays, when you are watching ESPN, they have these cameras in your living room, or there's this <laughs> big celebration in Chicago, or in New York City, or even in Buffalo. What was it like for you that day? hearing you're, you're now drafted <laughs> to the NHL. Yeah, I kind of got a little st- funny story on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was told by my agent that um, I was going to be drafted by Philadelphia Flyers in the first round if I was still available. So back then there was only 21 teams, and Philadelphia had the last pick of the round, so they had the 21st pick. So we weren't sure if we should go to Montreal for the draft, and then they encouraged us, said that you should be there, you're going to go in the first round for sure. So we went. So they get to the 21st pick. Philadelphia gets up to the podium. And I forgot who was making the announcement. They stand up. They say thank you to the Montreal and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers are proud to select from the Kingston Canadiens. And I'm thinking, this is it. Defenseman, I'm thinking, this is it. Mike Stuthers. And I'm halfway standing up. I'm thinking, <laughs> what the hell just happened? Who did he say? Yeah. <laughs> so I sat down. And I'm looking around thinking, what happened? Uh, they, my agent told me I was supposed to go that pick if I was available. It didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, after that, I was just kind of in a panic. Now what? Where Where do I go? When do I go? Yeah, you must be thinking like, am yeah. I just going to start sliding? Yeah, your world's over. Yeah. You thought that was a for sure slam dunk. And then uh, four picks later, the Leafs had the 25th pick. And they announced my name, and I was still in a fog of days. I didn't hear my name. My, my <laughs> folks are jumping up and down, being from Toronto. Yeah, they're right. all jumping, celebrating. Get down there, get down there. Uh, <laughs> so you got drafted by your hometown. I did. That's a that's a dream. I I would I would think it's a dream for most people. Yeah. Well, growing up in Toronto, you follow the Leafs religiously as they do t- even to today. So. I uh, love the Leafs. Used to watch Hockey Night in Canada every Wednesday, every Saturday. It was on twice a week. Uh, my parents used to barter and threaten if I didn't do my homework or I didn't behave. I couldn't watch Hockey Night in Canada. Mm. You may as well pull my teeth out if I couldn't watch it. So <laughs> That's cool. So we always ask about a no-turning-back moment. Now that you're drafted and you're starting this, this long career, was there a no-turning-back moment for you? Um uh, 
it's funny, I guess I never looked at it that way that you phrase it that way, but I think everybody has their in their own mind when you really made it or finally made it. For me, it was when I first saw my first hockey card. Oh yeah. oh yeah. As a kid, you collected hockey cards, you traded them, you used to flip them, you used to throw them up against the wall. So hockey cards were, were meant a lot as a child growing mm-hmm. up. So when you first saw your name and your stats and picture and everything on a hockey card, that was kind of a big sigh. I guess I did make it finally. Did you uh, practice that autograph <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. on your own card? <laughs> I did. Well, I still get letters to this day for requests uh, for autographs yeah. whether at work or at home. So That's it's, cool. It's funny. They, they've, they're they dwindled in numbers, but they still come. That's great. What's the weirdest thing anyone sent you to sign? Oh, <laughs> well, there's just always body parts uh, other than clothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I was... Uh, kind of curious about before we go too much deeper is uh, just some of these uh, fun stories. I mean, you, you're a guy that has played with some amazing other athletes that has, I said it before, reached the top of that mountain. You literally are hoisting the Stanley Cup. I mean, Bill, we don't really know what that's like around here. Well, obviously, you know, we've heard other NHL players talk about the first time they did it and they always, well, they're all special, which is amazing that you can have more than one, but do you, do you remember the experience? Do you remember, was it was it a home game? It, it was a home game. It was actually game seven. Okay. So it, it, and they, they're right. Everyone is, is special in a different way. Um, obviously, the first one is the first one. You're a kid growing up, just your aspirations to play in the NHL. And then it's a dream come true. Then you've always, you're playing street hockey and it's game seven, Stanley Cup final. You score the game winning goal. You win the Stanley Cup out in the street. So... To win it, I guess it, it's so hard to describe because it's just such an emotional feeling than the physical feeling. Um, it was basically we we're playing Philadelphia Flyers in uh, 1987, and then uh, we were up three games to one in the finals. And the next two games we were up three to one in score, or sorry, two to one in score. And Philadelphia ended up tying and ended up winning both games. They forced Game Seven. So Game Seven, it's a Two to one game, same scenario as the last two games that we lost. And thinking, okay, this is too close for to be good. <laughs> then Glenn Anderson scored a goal with about five minutes left in the game, crossed over the blue line, a long shot went in on, on Ron Hextall, and we went out three to one. And it was at that moment that you kind of let your guard down a bit. And obviously, I was the young 24-year-old, and everyone else has already won two cups, and they were still focused and. And still playing hard, I'm mm-hmm. I'm jumping up and down, I'm screaming. <laughs> I lost my voice, like we already won the damn game. <laughs> right, right. So then when we finally won, it was like just over, overcome with emotions of you finally did it, and uh, to win it, Stanley Cup. Like Bill said, you so many guys play the game for so long, and some fantastic Hall of Fame players that don't even come close to ever winning it once. And I was fortunate enough to to win three of them, and it became almost a, a bad season in Edmonton. If you didn't win the cup, it was expected to win the cup. And um, the next one in 88, it was someone gave me the advice of watch the guys winning it for the first time. And that's why we're playing is for them again. Wow. Which, again, is why that team concept, if, if you'll know the difference between a good team and a bad team and a close team and a not close team. And when they said that and to watch the guys their eyes how they lit up the emotion 
it makes you f- go back to that first time you won it. So that, that was best advice that I, that I was given. And then the third one, my son was just born two months prior to, to winning the Stanley Cup. So that one made that pretty special. I've got a picture of him sitting in the cup when he's two months old. <laughs> That's awesome. Who, um, do you remember who handed you the cup? That I do not. I'm probably sure I stole it right out of their hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, as it wasn't Gretzky. <laughs> I was always curious. Give me it, that, Wayne. It, who gets it when? You always say, everybody gets it, I know, but is, Some, there, is there an order? <laughs> sometimes there, I, there probably is an order, especially, I guess at the time you didn't think too much about it unless you were the one that was kind of handing it out or dictating it. Right. But now when you watch it and you listen to the commentary, sometimes the, the, the order doesn't seem or make sense if you're the the average fan or an NHL fan you're thinking well it should go through the pecking order of best to worst or whatever it might be but as you we saw this past one with Pittsburgh and Trevor Daly with the uh, how great he played in the the struggles with the passing I believe it was his mother mm-hmm. that he got it early which was great to see and so uh, I think Dupuis who this is probably his last year of playing with because of the blood clot so there's there's probably a story and a reason of some of that packing order too it probably got created by the media like tried to figure out what the order was and then all of a sudden make a story out yeah of it. and then calgary wins and it's like well we have to have an order because they said that there was an order <laughs> last year and we were home watching it I, I think both teams should just submit before the, the, those final games what their pecking well, the order, order the cup will be <laughs> never, nobody has to guess yeah that's, no, that's <laughs> including good. the players you know, in some ways, when you lose that last game, you know, you don't you don't want to leave the ice. Or maybe you want to get off it right away. But I'm thinking, like, when you win it, you don't want to leave either. You don't want the moment to end. Yeah, it's kind of, I guess, a catch-22. Like, it seemed like this year the Penguins stayed out there forever for pitchers and family pitchers, which is great for them, but not so great for, the I'm sure, the San Jose fans <laughs> yeah. or the players. If it was your home ice, it might be a little different. Where, to this day... It, to me, the Stanley Cup is a trophy you share, and the sore of the Stanley Cup rings. And but there's a time and in, in a moment when the team needs to be together and privately in the right. dressing room, although you're not privately because you got the TV cameras there. Um, but even to this day, with Stanley Cup rings, if I'm doing a, a function, I'll wear, wear my Stanley Cup ring. I'll let other people wear it, or especially their kids wear it, who have no idea who I am or what that ring is. Yeah. But they'll have a picture of it and their parents will explain it to them especially as they get older and it's one of those community championships that is is just shared through the generations and through whatever city you're in that's cool so you got to play on on what some people say was the greatest offensive team in the history of hockey with curry and anderson and gretzky and messier like and they're then you're you're back there playing defense yeah, what was that? <laughs> That's what Grant Fear was for, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a question. When, there's a question. There is, there's a question in there, there somewhere. Is. When um, I was a defenseman playing soccer, and and sometimes like you get, I would get caught up watching some of the skill that the forwards had to the point where I'm not running or keeping up with the play, and my gaps are getting too big because I'm just in awe of how fast this. And I I would literally come to like a stop and watch and just be and I'm, I'm i'm i guess i'm asking did that did you get caught up with some of that with who you played for and some of the skill and some of the speed especially yeah some, sometimes you do um especially those pretty tic-tac-toe plays or a guy beats a guy one-on-one and 
it's like even uh, you see, sometimes you see a lot with basketball some of those great plays or great moves and you could see the bench and the even the players reactions of wow how did he do that or so it was, it was no different with watching Wayne or Messier or Anderson uh, Curry ticking in Craig Simpson uh, we had so many goal scorers and Hall of Famers on that team that Again, my job was easy, was to get the puck up to them, let them do their magic, and then when we didn't have the puck, get it back and play defense and give it back up to them. So, But you're, you're right, you, whether you're on the ice or you're on the bench, you're sometimes you're just in awe of watching what, what is happening out there and to practice with them every day and skate against them every day and line rushes and one-on-one, it, it only makes you better as a, yeah. individually as a player as well. Well, yeah, let's keep it keep it going, though. We always like to ask about a, a challenge uh, on your path. And it sounds like you had a very successful path. So can you think of a, a challenge that you had to overcome? Yeah, I think everybody has to, has an obstacle to have, they, they have to overcome or something that makes them question what they're doing or why they're doing it or should they continue doing it. And I, I had that same moment. Again, if I go back to my early years with the Leafs and I'm stuck in the minors, played four years in the minors and I think I played maybe 18 NHL games with the Leafs at the time so I remember getting a call from my mom asking me uh, I was on my last year of the deal so uh, my contract was over possibly my career would be over I was a free agent to sign with anyone and my mom called like halfway through the, the season okay well when the season's over what are you gonna do you gonna go back to school and blah 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 and I can okay well that's not really what I want to do it might be have to be an option, um, and then I was had a, a, such a good season that I had interest from about eight NHL teams. Uh, I was called up to the Leafs with the last month of the season, and Claire Claire Alexander was the assistant coach. He calls me in his office after practice and said the Leafs want to sign you to a new contract. So I'm thinking, okay, well this is great. So I told Claire that it's so, so late in the season right now, and I. I know that there's probably about uh, eight NHL teams who are interested. Uh, you will definitely listen to the Leafs come July 1st, but I'm not going to sign a contract right now. So needless to say, the Leafs sent me back to the minors the very next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you want your value to decrease. Yeah, So, but I had to weigh that time that time in the minors that year. I was having a good year. Uh, John Brophy, the late John Brophy, just uh, – was the coach who was going to already be he was already named the head coach of the Maple Leafs that next year and Gary LaRiviere was the assistant coach and a player assistant coach who was my partner was going to be his assistant they both liked me so I had to wait will they give me an opportunity or will the decision be not made by the coaches but by management who was not I was not drafted by and haven't been given an opportunity in four years so basically all we did was we asked the eight teams a guarantee that I would play half the exhibition games because I think I played maybe two at the most any given time with the Leafs. So I wanted to play half, which was probably about six or seven games, which is not asking for much. No. No GM would give me that guarantee, but Glenn Sather, when we met him in the summer when he came to Toronto, and he said, I can't give it to you in writing, but you have my word and a handshake. And to this day, he, I played half those exhibition games, mm-hmm. and I made the team out of training camp. Wow. Cool. So there's a exactly little, half? 
<laughs> uh, it probably ended up being more, but at the time, the Oilers just lost uh, to Calgary when Steve Smith banked the that winning goal in off of Grant Fuhrer's uh, back of his leg. So I looked at the team roster: uh, Lee Foglin, Don Jackson, Randy Gregg, and Charlie Huddy were all getting old. They just lost the Stanley Cup, and old I mean late twenties, right. yeah. <laughs> early thirties. Right. But in hockey, that's getting up there. So. Uh, there was a player named Larry Melnick who was playing for the farm team in Halifax and if one of the defensemen got hurt Larry was always the first call up Larry just signed with the Bruins so that left that spot open so with Glenn Sather's handshake and if even if he didn't wasn't to his word I figured if I didn't make the team I went to Halifax I would be the first call up so I could parlay that into another contract with another team when I went from well, Toronto, the four years there in the 21 league team or team league, they never finished any better than 16th. So mm-hmm. I'm going from a bottom team to a potential Stanley Cup team. So you could easily translate that into another contract, worst case scenario. But I had good training camp. They traded Don Jackson right during the during an exhibition game. They yanked him out of the dressing room. Told him uh, he just got <laughs> traded to Minnesota. He has to leave the dressing room immediately. Oh. So they're trying to find a player to fill in the roster for that exhibition game. Well, it's uh, unfortunate you weren't playing Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I saw that happen, too. <laughs> That's the ticket. I got traded to New York for Doug Waite when we were in New York. And the trade happened while we were having our afternoon nap. It was a regular season This game. was a regular season Yeah, game. I remember this. Yeah, so we got off the bus. Essa Tickenen's bag was packed. He took it out of the dressing room, walked it to the Ranger dressing room, <laughs> and Bernie came into our dressing room, and we played that night. <laughs> yeah, what an odd day That's for him. That's great. Oh, that was an interesting challenge for you to have to overcome. Did you learn a lesson that helped you moving forward? Yeah, it's. I think you learn not to take anything for granted. Like, again, I was... Draft, I was the 25th draft pick overall by the Maple Leafs. They didn't have a first-round pick that year, so I was their first pick of that draft. And you think you can't just rest on your laurels that everything is going to be peachy keen and smooth and that you got it made unless you're uh, a Sidney Crosby, a, a McDavid, and they're, they're far and few in between. So I never took anything for granted. I played when I probably shouldn't have played. Uh, I was always afraid to lose my job. I was always afraid to be sent to the minors. So uh, the only thing you learn the difference between playing hurt and playing injured and what you can and can't do. But there were there were a lot of games that the, during that era where we were all the same, and you didn't want to not play because there's a chance someone would take your job. Yeah, yeah. So now you live in Buffalo. You are a, according to a lot of the stuff that, that we looked up on you, because we wanted to catch up a little. Stalker. You are hockey legend. <laughs> He's been on LinkedIn again. Hockey legend, Craig Muni. <laughs> so hockey legend, that is also listed in on the uh, Oilers site. It is on the Maple Leaf site. The people call you hockey legend. That's a so nice term for being old. Did, yeah, you did something. <laughs> yeah, that's too. what I should have said in the beginning. <laughs> even, <laughs> though, uh, even though you left Toronto, um, you, you did end up going back to Toronto at some point also. So it couldn't have been too bad there. Yeah, well, I, I, I grew up in Toronto. That's why, you know what, for me, um, I, I only played just shy of three seasons with the Sabres here. But when it came to the decision to retire and where to retire to, for, for me and my family, it was no-brainer. Buffalo was the obvious choice. Uh, between the people we met outside the game, 
the cost of living, the proximity to, to Canada and my family in Toronto, um, the taxes, uh, the traffic, everything led to come back to Buffalo. And that, that's why there's very active alumni association in Buffalo. A lot of players who have been traded or gone off to play other places have come back to retire to Buffalo as well. Well, you know, if we move ahead to kind of like current business, uh, and we kind of mentioned, uh, you know, once you were done playing, you, you kind of settled here in Buffalo, New York. A lot of athletes you hear about, these are just the uh, anecdotal stories. They, they lose all their money, and they're back back where they started, but 10 times worse, you know? Uh, obviously, that didn't happen to you. <laughs> they're still playing hockey, right, Yager? <laughs> yeah, some oh, of those guys. <laughs> okay, you went there. I guess my question in that is, what do you do when you're done being a professional athlete? What this is a whole new path for you. What would you decide to? Um, yeah, that's a great question because obviously in our era we didn't make the money they do today, mm-hmm. nor did the guys in the previous uh, era make the money we did. So it's kind of just I guess the way it is, which is fantastic, and I would never begrudge the guys the money they make. They right. should make it. You have a short window to make it, and they should make as much as they can because it will end. Um, but that's a great question because the time too. Again, but we got to remember in our era, you had to choose between an education and junior hockey. So mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of guys only have high school education. Some guys didn't even graduate from high school. That's a good point. Especially the guys who played out point. west, because if you look at the western teams that are in the league and the distance between cities, it's really far for a lot of those road trips. So a lot of those guys never even complete high school education. They have to go back and do it later. Um, for me, when I first retired, uh, I did a, worked a year with my agent, uh, Rich Winter, who was out of Edmonton. I was kind of his liaison out east here in Buffalo. Uh, halfway through the year, I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I wasn't happy with doing that. Then I got involved with uh, pro professional scouting. I was scouting for Tampa Bay for four years, and then I went to Florida Panthers for a year and did the scouting of the American League, the NHL, a little bit of East Coast, a little bit of college, and some uh, European tournament. So it was good, but it was a lot of travel. Uh, you're, you have no home games. You have no home arena. Nope. So you have to go to a game every night. So you are away f- every night, uh, which is hard on a young family. And the, the payback was you had your summers off when the kids were off for the summer. But it's, it is grueling, and some guys do that a long, long time and still are doing it. So I did that for five years. Then the lockout came, and I got out of that. And then I had a, a great opportunity to go work with uh, Uniland Development in Buffalo, New York, and I've been there almost 12 years now uh, doing commercial real estate sales and leasing for them. Cool. That's great, yeah. You know, you're in the real estate uh, world, and I know you have some other uh, projects going on. We also saw that, um, are you doing some coaching right now, too? Yes, I uh, was approached by Rick Sealing, uh, who is now the the general manager and coach of the Buffalo Buttes, the professional women's hockey team in Buffalo. So he's looking for an assistant coach. Uh, we've coached previously together with our sons in, in hockey when they're, they were playing for... Um, high school and travel hockey so he asked if I would have interest in doing it where he would work with the forwards and I would work with the defensemen so uh, I agreed to do that just finished coaching travel softball after I don't know 15-20 years when my daughter just graduated college so timing was perfect where I had some extra time to do that and uh, just agreed to do that so we're looking forward to the season starting up oh that's great when does it start up 
Uh, we'll start practicing in September, and then opening weekend is uh, October 9th, 10th, 11th, that weekend right there. Big it was weekend. their uh, first season ever, obviously, this year. Last year it was. Last year. Yeah. And um, they lost in the finals to Boston. Boston, Boston probably. Yeah. Why has it always got to be Boston? <laughs> <laughs> they stacked their team. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Of course. Deflated pucks. Yeah. And we... Uh, always ask: Is there something that's currently exciting you? I think you have another another project going on that we wanted to get into too. Yeah, yeah with my no, no spare time. I know uh, you're busy. Yeah. You are a busy man. I got gotcha. you. You're a busy man. <laughs> We're actually starting a new new sports website. It's actually going to be first of its kind. It's a competitive conversation website, a debate type of format. So it'll be debates, blogs, and podcasts as well. So as an example, say the three of us are out for dinner somewhere and we're watching a hockey game and something happens and we are discussing it we could discuss it all night long and there'd be no winner no loser so this is giving the people an opportunity to go to the platform put the debate in you can set the filter so that only the three of us can have that same debate let the other people members watch it and and vote on it so we can set our timer for 30 minutes it'll be live scoring so as we're inputting our our voices or our comments people will start voting and we'll move up and down in the standings as this is going on until there's a winner and a loser so you could have a side bet loser has to buy the next round of drinks or dinner (laughs) sounds good so the filters are good where you can do it to a a debate between two people or you can do it to the masses whoever are out there we're going to have uh, professional athletes uh, on board so they can start debates and fans will get a chance to debate with the athletes nice and what's the name of this site? I, I don't think uh, we mentioned that yeah, yet. Yeah, sorry. The, the website is uh, going to be fanduzi.com. Awesome. Yeah, now I, I have a few questions because, like you said, it's one of it's the first of its kind. Yeah. Is this going to be a, like a mobile platform? Is it a website? Is it both? It's a website r- right now, but it is adaptable for your phone or your iPad or your computer. And then there will be eventually an app that will just download as an app as well that sounds cool yeah. and you mentioned athletes are you guys focusing for example on hockey or other no all it's all sports uh, involved with the project that we have joe delamalier and todd delamalier on the football side of it it's going to be every sport and any sport but again the filters are so great so that you as a member you could put down whatever your interest is so if i'm interested in bowling harness racing hockey only any debate that comes up that has those terms in it i'll get notified that there's a conversation or a debate going on in this in my interest so if there's something going on about football and that's not my interest i i don't have to see it so that's cool it's good yeah so it filters out some of the stuff that you're not interested in that's definitely something exciting you know we asked about you know what do you do once you retire and you basically have a lot of balls in the air here you're you're juggling a full-time job you're doing some coaching you're getting involved with uh app development (laughs) yeah yeah. i don't know a lot about the behind the scenes of the app stuff again i'm not that generation but i'm trying to catch up and understand it all so cool you know as we sort of bring this thing to a close we always like to end with some final thoughts so uh is there any advice you'd give to somebody who's just starting out or maybe has the same dream that you did to one day you know pursue athletics yeah if uh, i think of regarding athletics if first of all you do it for yourself uh you do it because you're it makes you happy it's where you want to be don't do it for your mom or your dad or your coach uh you have to really want to do it and if you want to do it, it's the first and for foremost thing that you should have in your own mind. 
And then if you, once you make that decision, you want to do it, put 110% into it and then do it right. Mm -hmm. Practice hard, uh, do what you have to do to get to that next level. Um, anything that's a detriment of, or a stumbling block, whether somebody's putting you down or you get cut from a team, uh, don't let that get in, in the way. Take that as something to overcome. Uh, and I forgot the story, so a good example, as a kid growing up in Toronto, there was an organization called the Toronto Marlies who had the Maple Leaf logo, Maple Leaf colors. So as a kid, everyone thought it was kind of the minor Maple Leafs. So every kid wanted to play for this travel team. So every year I went to tryouts and every year I got cut. Not <laughs> once in my whole minor hockey career I made the team. And I would go even though I was going to get cut, but I wanted to play for them so bad that I would do what I had to do to try and make the team. Got cut every year, had to play for another organization and just goes to show you, I guess not everyone thinks you're a good player, but someone will. Yeah, absolutely. That's good cool. advice. You know, so, uh, Craig, before we uh, close this thing out, maybe you could uh, plug that social media one more time, tell people where they can find you online. It's uh, fandoozy.com. It's uh, a debate platform. You can win prizes uh, through for debates or blogs and eventually some podcasts. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And if people want to follow you personally, what, what, what did we say in the beginning? Uh, Twitter's a... Uh, at Craig Muni and LinkedIn. Yeah, get on well. LinkedIn there. Yep. And his address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill's got that memorized now. <laughs> well, Craig, thanks so much for doing the show. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And I'm Craig so Muni. <laughs> <laughs>All right, guys. Craig Muni, man. Craig Muni. Wow. What you a know, guy. NHL Mutants. alumni, three-time Stanley Cup winner. It's an honor to talk to him. And, you know, it sounds like he's not done yet. You know, he's still hungry, still working. Mm -hmm. uh, fan doozy sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yep. and coaching the Buffalo Buttes and, you know, he's in real estate. Have you gone to those games yet? Have you gone to one? I, I, gotta I, go to one. I didn't go to one last year. Yeah, I can't wait to check him out. The season's right around the corner. Yeah, we you know? got to go. And speaking of fan doozy, too, I got to sign up for that. You didn't sign up? No, uh, that's I, that's I did. I did. I got to get a debate out there. I got I got one I'm thinking. So I've been trying to put it out there. I'll yeah. do it. I'm going to so do you, it. You signed up. Awesome. I did. I'm in. Yeah, I got to I got to put list. my first uh, I'm going to put my first debate out there and and get going on it. Beautiful. Sounds great, guys. And you know, to all the listeners out there, our season 2 is winding down. And so we are now taking nominations for season 3. If you remember, after season one, we did the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a few more episodes for season two, but we are looking for interesting, successful people, good storytellers, and they need to have a social media presence as well so they can kind of share the episode just like we do. Yeah, we want to um, get the best of them, and, and hopefully, you know, I want them to promote themselves too and, and, and show off what they have. Absolutely. And I'll say this with tongue-in-cheek, but please do not nominate yourself. Okay, have a friend do it for you. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> It's always funny. Stop when, texting me. It's like, who, who's your who's your interview? Me. Why? Because. And that's yeah. it. But honestly, head to our website, Guys Telling Stories, and click on the Nominate tab. There's a little form to fill in. And if you think somebody fits the bill, please. Uh, no guest is too big or too small. We're just interested in successful people with interesting stories. So head to our website, and let's get, uh, let's get those nominations rolling in. All right, guys. Great episode. As always, you can find us online at Guys Telling Stories. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. I'm Rich Douglas. And I'm Bill Easton. And I'm Sean. All right. Until next time.